Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of Ask! Exclamation point. Where we have construction outside and Steve, our producer, is frustrated. Join us. All right, welcome back. I'm Pastor Jamie. We're Cornerstone Church where people are outside doing all kinds of work. So if it's sound qualities and you don't like it, don't complain to Steve or you might be the person that he strangles. All right? All right. Uh, so this is where you ask questions, we answer them. You go to cornerstonebv.org. It's our website, media page. You hit the ask, uh, click on the ask button there and just put in your question. Um, leave your name, don't leave your name. And uh, which is great, that, uh, a couple of things with that. We need your questions. That's how we have this show. That's what it's all about. But also be patient. You know, when we first started this, five, six, whatever we're on now, years ago, uh, not many people ask questions, so I would always have to fill them in. And so if you did ask a question, it usually got answered within a week or two. Now, lots of people ask questions, which is great, but it does mean you have to be patient. Sometimes it takes a while. It doesn't mean I've forgotten about you or don't love you or your question. It just means we got a lot in front of you. So uh, watch every one, every episode, so you can see when yours gets answered. Okay. Um, this is kind of uh, a resurrection uh, sort of question from John 20. Jesus warns Mary... Uh, Magdalene, not to touch him in verse 17. And, uh, and it says, because he hasn't ascended yet. Later, though, Jesus instructs Thomas to touch him. John doesn't mention Jesus' ascension, but I'm pretty sure that happens after this interaction. That's true. If so, why is it okay for Thomas to touch Jesus? All right, so kind of a long question. Um, but it is an interesting little dynamic where Mary Magdalene, it actually says she clings to Jesus after she sees that he's risen. And he says, don't cling to me, Mary. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. Whereas John, I mean Thomas later on, because he's doubting, this is really Jesus, he says, touch my wounds, right? So what's going on here? And, and you know, obviously the Bible doesn't honestly tell us, right? It doesn't explain it. So we have to kind of put the pieces together ourselves. They're two different words. So Jesus wasn't upset that Mary touched him as in his resurrected body. It's that she was clinging to him. And, and what he was trying to get at was, he knew that, and rightfully so, his disciples, including Mary and all the women and men, that they, they would want Jesus to stay with them. All right, he's resurrected. You're not going anywhere, right? You're going to now be here with us. We're clinging to you. And he wants to make sure right from the start uh, of them seeing his resurrected body that he is going to ascend, that the plan is not for Jesus to walk with us again like he did for those those years in his public ministry. The plan is for him to ascend to the right hand of his father, right hand of the father, where he can intercede on our behalf. That's what we want him to do. And he's going to send the helper or the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to dwell inside of us. And he actually says that's a better plan. And so don't cling to me because even though you mean well, you're trying to stop a better plan from happening. Thomas, that was different. He was proving that I am truly risen. Mary didn't have any issues with that. Thomas did. And so Thomas needed to actually see, feel his, his wounds. Uh, that's our best attempt at that. Hopefully that, that helps. Good question. Okay, second one. James 1.5 is great news. But then I start to worry uh, when I see verses 6 and 7. I have doubts, not so much about God's ability, but about my own ability to not doubt. I trust God, but don't trust myself to mess things up. Um, is this just wrong thinking derived from heaven helps those who help themselves? So um, let me just read the, the verses this question refers to from James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. So yes, that is good news and it's something that I just want to pause on. Like a lot of people don't realize this for whatever reason is every day you should ask God 
for wisdom. And you should not um, limit how much you ask him. Ask him to overflow you with wisdom. He will answer that prayer. Because wisdom is God's knowledge, his truth in action. So God, give me more of your truth, not my truth, not the world's truth, your truth, and help me to apply it to my life, right? So wisdom, so decisions with my kids, my marriage, or my work, or my ministry, or my life, my money, all of that, I want wisdom and discernment. Ask every day, that should be a common ask, and you should just ask God, give it to me more, more wisdom, more, and he will, right? So that is good news, but James goes on to say, which is what the question refers to in verses, uh, in verse six, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Okay, so the first thing about that is this is in context of asking for wisdom. And so don't doubt that God will give you that wisdom. This is a guarantee. And so don't say, well, I'm asking you, God, but I'm kind of dumb or I don't know anything. I'm not a mature Christian. I mess things up all the time. And doubt that God will give that to you. James is like, don't. That's not a good prayer. Good prayer is one of faith. This is God wants me to have wisdom. He's capable of giving it to me. He's told me to ask for it. I'm going to ask for it and expect it, right? Now, so because other prayers can sometimes we can have doubts and it depends on what you mean by doubt, right? If I am praying for my son or daughter to get into a specific college or to get a job or for a health concern to someone I love or whatever the case may be, you should pray your heart's content with faith. But if you're thinking that might not happen, that's not actually a doubt because it might not. It's not a guarantee from scripture that those things, types of things are gonna happen. But when it's something is clear like wisdom, you should pray with no doubt. Now, doubt is not going to cause your life to can be completely messed up, right? God is sovereign. God is in control. He redeems when even we, we doubt or we struggle with, with faith, okay? So this is just James not saying, look, if you doubt, you're, you're done, right? He's saying, don't doubt because it's not good for you. Um, and so we pray. Um, it, it's not like if I doubt, that's just never going to happen. He's just saying increasingly pray, especially for things that you know are God's will. Pray with faith. Pray with expectation. Not, it's not pressing a button and saying, all right, God, you're going to give me this. It's saying, you've promised this. I believe your promise. It's going to happen. You, I, I ask for you to give me wisdom in this area. Help me do what you want me to do. Give me clarity. When you're doing that, you should have nothing but faith. Um, and that's what James is getting at. Okay? Hopefully that, that helps. And um, last one for this episode is another one about another verse from Proverbs, uh, sort of the Old Testament version of James. Proverbs 6.10 makes me feel like I might undermine God's provision with a little laziness. Do I need to get more context? So here's uh, Proverbs 6.10, uh, actually, and 11, because 10 doesn't give us the whole thing. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want you like an armed man. So it's a good question, right? So it sounds like, wait a minute, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little rest? Like, is that, is that a problem? God built in the Sabbath day. Clearly God wants us to rest. He's commanded us to rest. So is resting going to actually undermine God's provision? And no. 
there's plenty of proverbs that tell you to work hard, right? But also plenty that says you need to, to get rest. This specific proverb is saying when you use the excuse, I need a little sleep, I need a little rest, I need that, but you're not taking care of the things that you need to take care of. It's you're not working hard at the things God's put before you to work hard at. Your job, your family, your uh, situations that you're in, God calls us to work hard and then rest well. And so both of those things should be in balance in your life. But there are people who will say, oh, I just need a little rest, but they're always saying that. And they're using that as an excuse as to why they can't do the things that they're responsible for doing. And the proverb is just laying it out there that's going to cause major problems in your life. You can't go through life saying, uh, being lazy and not taking care of the responsibilities, right? So uh, work hard, play hard, rest well. That's how you should have the balance of your life, okay? So when you're working, work hard. Then take a rest because so many people, like I just feel like I need to spin my wheels all the time and you're exhausting yourself. That's not what this proverb is saying. It's saying, yes, you do need to work hard and take care of your responsibilities and don't use I'm tired all the time as an excuse. Otherwise, it will come back to haunt you. All right, this has been Ask. Make sure you give us your questions. Uh, it's cornerstonebv.org. Uh, uh, and you can just go to the media page, Ask page. Give us your questions, as I said in the beginning of this. And also, we'd love to see you in one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5, Sunday at 9 or 11. You can sign up for one of those services um, on our website as well. God bless. See you soon.